Welcome to the Alive and Well podcast. On Alive and Well, we interview leaders in the health and wellness industries who have amazing insight on how to improve your health and navigate your personal path to wellness. This episode is sponsored by NHC, an online vitamin and supplement store that sells a wide variety of quality, professional, and retail brands. I'm your host, Brittany Adams, and today I had the privilege of speaking with Marnie Wasserman. Marnie's life is rooted in healthy living. Not only is she a nutritionist and a chef, but she's also the co-host of the Ultimate Health Podcast. She is the author of Fermenting for Dummies and Plant-Based Diet for Dummies. Marnie has also made several media appearances on breakfast television and the global news, and her articles were featured in the National Post, the Toronto Star, and the Huffington Post. Hi, Marnie. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. I know the Ultimate Health Podcast is definitely one of my favorites to listen to. You guys interview so many interesting people, and I'm so excited to hear a bit more about your own health journey and just the fun stuff that you're getting into. Um, So could you just start by uh, telling us a little bit about how you became interested in natural health? Yeah, for sure. Well, I've always had an interest in healthy eating, healthy living, and that came from a young age. Where it came from, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just was always gravitated towards moving my body, being active, eating healthy and clean, whatever that meant at the time, and that journey just continued over the years where I became really interested in personal training, and that's kind of where my first entry was into the natural world, and I did that for many years. I did a degree in kinesiology. From there, I did a year in dietetics, which, you know, that was a path I thought I was going to follow. But then I found out about natural nutrition and holistic health, which is what I was really passionate about, and made the switch into that world. So became a holistic nutritionist. Then I went to culinary school and became a natural gourmet chef. And all those things kind of kept building up to really piece together the puzzle of what natural health meant to me, which was just eating well, living well, educating people on how to live better and eat better. And that transformed into me teaching cooking classes for many years. So I did that for 10 years and just kind of shifted gears, you know, the last, within the last year and a half. And now I am more or less focusing on the podcast and my online community as well now. Awesome. That's really great. So how did the podcast come about? So the podcast got started because I was in a relationship with my now husband, Jesse, oh. and he was very passionate about podcasting, and he had already done a podcast before and knew all the ins and outs. And for a while, about a year and a half into our relationship, he kind of kept nudging me to get this podcast started, and I was like, mm, I don't know if I have the time or the interest. You know, I was busy teaching cooking classes full-time, and I just couldn't see it, and this was almost four years ago, so podcasts were there, but they weren't as popular as they are today. But eventually I caved and I realized that this was, you know, a really fun thing for us to do together and he was going to take care of all the techie stuff and and get it going and I would just kind of be there to show up and ask questions and and do my thing, which is educating. So it started to sound really good. And then the birth of the podcast happened September 2014 and we've been doing it every week since. We've put out a show every single week since, uh, since that time. Wow, that's a long time. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So just to kind of talk a little bit more about the podcast, what um, are some of your favorite things that you've learned 
just from all of the interviews that you've done. I know you've interviewed so many experts, so I'm sure there's a huge list, but what are some of your favorite things? Okay, well, yeah, the title of the podcast is The Ultimate Health Podcast, which means that we're covering so many things under that umbrella. So we cover things like nutrition and fitness and yoga and mindset, meditation, finances, you know, relationships. We cover all these topics, and there's been so many changes over the years. I think early on, Jesse and I were really interested in the nutrition conversation. We were both vegetarian at the time. We were just interested in plant-based superfoods all that good stuff. And then as we've evolved as, as people and, and practitioners and people in the health world, we've started to change that conversation to more inclusive. We still talk to people who are vegetarian and vegan, but now that Jesse and I are not, we're still really bringing in, you know, the paleo conversation and primal foods and keto and bringing in all these awesome conversations. And it's really shifted the way we eat because a lot of the conversations were synonymous with health challenges that I was having in my own life. And I started to really listen to our guests and experts and, and understand that maybe I wasn't eating a diet that was supporting my health. So those were some of my favorite conversations because they helped transform me. In addition to a lot of mindset conversations. So right now I'm like loving all the conversations that we're having around um, well-being and self-care and, and really taking care of your mental health. So that's, that's been really important as well. Yeah. So when you were um, a chef and teaching uh, cooking classes, were you also a vegetarian at that time? I was. Oh, I was. Okay. So I was vegetarian for about 10, was it about eight years. And the core of my business and everything I was doing was in the realm of vegetarianism. When I first started my business, I wasn't, but I'd say probably two years into teaching cooking classes, I transitioned to becoming vegetarian, which was a big goal of mine and something that felt right to me at the time. Mm -hmm. And so for eight years teaching cooking classes, the core of my business was around plant-based nutrition and health. And I even wrote a book, Plant-Based Diet for Dummies, all supporting, you know, the lifestyle of being vegetarian. And I did thrive for many years. I felt great. And then, you know, a couple of years later, I started not feeling so great and started to really pay attention to the things in my life, my lifestyle, the way I was living, and definitely the way I was eating, even though it was super healthy. I was a very clean, healthy vegetarian, but I don't think the actual foods I was eating was supporting my thyroid health, my gut health, and other systems that were breaking down at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as a nutritionist and a chef, um, what was that journey like just even starting the cooking classes? How did that come about? Is that something that you've always wanted to do or did it sort of just evolve into that? Yeah, I think it really evolved because I was so passionate about food and nutrition when I, well, first I was doing kinesiology and then that opened up the conversation of nutrition for sports and movement and as Mm -hmm. I was personal training I was working with clients talking about food and nutrition but it was very macro at the time it was very protein carbs fat and as I started to learn about natural nutrition and went to school for it it was just so for lack of a better word natural to me to learn about this and implement this because this is what I just gravitated towards I was gravitating towards healthy wholesome foods and eating from scratch and eating as natural as possible getting away from the labels of low fat low carb all that stuff and just eating as close to nature as possible and so I started getting more involved in the kitchen and while I was at um, at um, holistic nutrition school I found out about this culinary school in New York 
through one of the books we were reading and I was like, I have to go there. I'm loving being in the kitchen right now. I'm loving working with food. So I have to go to culinary school. Although the interesting thing was when I went to culinary school, I realized in what capacity I wanted to be in the kitchen. I did not want to become a chef that worked in a line or that worked in a restaurant or that was chopping all day. That was thrown on me. The minutia of like, you know, cutting vegetables all day or, you know, just being told what to do or mm-hmm. managing a kitchen. That was not what I wanted to do. What I wanted to do was educate. So how could I use that knowledge of being a nutritionist and a chef and morph that into education and cooking classes was the best thing. I loved attending cooking classes. So I was like, I'm just going to start teaching cooking classes. I can do this. I've got a great kitchen. My parents gave me their home kitchen to use, which was amazing and huge and awesome. So I started my business there. And then six years later, I opened up my own space. I called it the food studio in downtown Toronto. And I was able to take everything I was doing to a greater level and teach more classes and bring people from the community in, host retreats and do workshops. So wow. it was it was awesome. Yeah, that is that is awesome. So when you were a chef and a, and you when you taught cooking classes, did you only do plant-based foods or did you also do um, other I guess, animal protein foods as well. You know, so only in that small window when I first started in cooking classes was there a little bit of chicken and fish included gotcha. in some recipes. And then that morphed into all plant-based. So they were all vegetarian, in fact, mostly vegan. The only time that animal food was brought in was the odd bit of goat cheese or sheep cheese that was maybe mm-hmm. an add-on if people wanted to include into a recipe. Oh, okay. But otherwise, it was, yeah, strictly vegetarian. Wow, very cool. So what were yeah. some of your favorite healthy recipes that you made when you were a chef, but also, you know, when you were cooking? Um, I mean, when you were teaching cooking, what were some of your favorite recipes to teach and also just to make? Anything that had sweet potatoes in it. <laughs> I'm and still And still to this day, Anything with sweet potatoes is a good recipe, whether it's a muffin or a loaf or just roasted sweet potatoes or mashed sweet potatoes. I love sweet potatoes. Mm, So things like that were always fun. Um, I love to bake, so I love making muffins and, you know, different kinds of desserts or cookies or treats that were all grain-free or gluten-free with really clean alternative ingredients. And otherwise, lots of greens, lots of green salads. I loved showing people just how simple it was to incorporate greens into their day or into their life. And it didn't even have to be a complex recipe. It just had to be, let's just saute some Swiss chard with a little bit of mint and garlic and, you know, put it in a pan and add it to your soup or add it to the side of your plate and just showing people how to work with greens. So those were some of my faves. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so true. I always, I mean, when I'm cooking, I try to use as much, I mean, as much healthy vegetables and greens as I can. Um, But it really is so easy to incorporate into anything. I mean, it just goes with everything. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Obviously, obviously really important and really healthy. So cool. Well, that's awesome. And also sweet potatoes, baking with sweet potatoes. I've never really done that, but I really enjoy um, like muffins or I've even had scones that are made with sweet potatoes and it's crazy that you don't need any grains and it's just I mean the texture's really really great for baked goods from what yes, I found. totally yeah awesome yeah well cool well so let's talk a little bit about um, your journey with Hashimoto's 
um, how did you first get diagnosed and what did the start of that journey look like for you? So I've been seeing natural health practitioners for many years, and I think there's always been thyroid markers on my blood labs, um, as well as adrenal and, and hormone stuff. Um, and I, it's probably been tackled from different angles for many years. So I probably have had Hashimoto's longer than I, than I think or been told so. Um, but last year, one of the guests on our podcast, her name is Elle Russ, she talked a lot about thyroid health and demanding the right test from your doctors and, and what to look for and what antibodies you should be, you know, aware of that can increase your levels and that would give you the indication that you have Hashimoto's. So right after that episode, I went and made sure that I was getting the right blood work done to find this out. So I went and did that. And when it came back, I saw that my antibodies were really high, indicating that I had Hashimoto's, which is a condition where your body and anti, like by, um, your thyroid gland is essentially being attacked. So it's an autoimmune condition. So your thyroid is constantly kind of under attack and trying to figure out what to do. And you can swing between hyper and hypothyroidism and it can really just affect your well-being. It's an inflammatory condition. So it, it kind of made sense. Everything that has been happening over the last couple of years, I'm like, okay, this is starting to make sense. And thyroid conditions do run in my family, not specifically Hashimoto's, but hypothyroidism does. So it wasn't, you know, so left field for me to figure out that there was something going on. And once I figured this out, it was already, I was already on the trend of starting to change my diet and my lifestyle. I had been doing that for the last year and a half. Like when I first took out grains and started to incorporate animal protein, I was already doing some of that. So Hashimoto's just confirmed that this is the way I need to be eating, the lifestyle that I need to be living, slowing down, you know, not working out as intensely, taking care of myself, getting to sleep on time, all these different lifestyle modalities that I really needed to rein in were just like loud and clear in my face. So, and I've been on this journey, you know, I'm continuously really digging into my thyroid condition and working towards healing it. And I've even created a program with a colleague and friend of mine called Healing and Dealing with Hashimoto's, which we run a couple times a year to just show people all the different ways that you can learn about the test results, the foods to include, the supplements to get on, and it's not coming from a place of I've healed this and here's all the answers. It's coming from a place of we're going through this and yeah. we're just trying to figure this out. And here's all the information we can help you out with as well. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's incredible. So why is it um, so important to incorporate animal proteins um, with Hashimoto's? So a lot of foods and unfortunately plant foods <laughs> um, like grains and beans, can have a lot of um, indigestible components to them that can affect the gut. And when the gut is weakened and working really hard to break down foods, it can cause leaky gut, which, you know, is a word that's being tossed around quite a bit in the health world. But that can come from your diet. And over time, if that gut gets weak and food particles go into your bloodstream, then your body starts to attack and starts to break down and starts to cause an immune response, hence the autoimmune condition. And grains and beans have those abilities. They have components in them called lectins, and it can be really hard for the body to, to handle those foods. So it's really interesting, again, coming from someone who made the case for years that the vegetarian plant-based diet was the most healing, nurturing, 
easiest diet to eat for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here I'm realizing with the diet I've been eating and the healthiest grains, I wasn't even eating a lot of unhealthy grains. I was eating things like quinoa and brown rice and millet, but I was eating them every day and I was eating beans every day and I was probably soaking them and cooking them and doing all the things that you do need to do to these foods. And it doesn't mean I can't ever have them again. I just got to be really mindful of how to prepare them. But uh, it, it went to show that these foods could be harmful if you have a thyroid condition, specifically grains. So I took grains out for sure. I took beans out too. I went on something called the autoimmune paleo diet, which is also known as AIP, and that eliminates all trigger foods, including nuts, um, eggs, chocolate, beans, soy, you know, grains, all those foods. So it takes out a lot of foods. You're left with a lot of vegetables, a lot of good fat, a little bit of fruit, and then you need some animal protein because you need some sustenance from somewhere. And it was really hard for me to get my head around. I had started with eggs a couple years ago, and that was my first entry, re-entry back into animal protein. And then I brought in fish like months later. Then I brought in chicken months later. And then I tried red meat months later. And that was really hard for me because I hadn't eaten red meat since I was 13. So it was really, really difficult for me to get my head around it. I'm an animal lover, and there is some ethical and moral values that are ingrained in me. So it was really tough. But when you start to look at food as nourishment and and not just, you know, attach it to an animal with a tail or eyes, and you start to look at it as like these are nutrients that my body needs and I'm going to choose the best quality sources of them. I'm going to go for wild caught, grass fed, happily raised, you know, nothing on a factory farm and not, and eat it mindfully and eat it in moderation. Then it really changes your relationship to those foods. And plants are still the core of my diet. I'm still quote unquote plant based because every day I'm eating tons of, you know, kale, cabbage, collards, avocado, coconut. That's the majority. And then the minority is a little bit of animal protein weaved in there. Yeah, that's a really great point. I love how you said that about, you know, just picturing food as nourishment and not necessarily, you know, thinking about it for what it is or what it was. So that's really right. interesting. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what are some other ways that you're working on healing your thyroid and healing your Hashimoto's? So the, the big things are, so in addition to diet and proper supplementation, the lifestyle is really what I'm focusing on. So that is really making sure that my sleep is dialed in and trying to get to bed early, making sure I'm sleeping in a dark room and trying to maximize the quality of my sleep, taking things slow, taking time in the morning to do some self-care rituals or routines and not, you know, this is a, a constant mantra for me is not to rush <laughs> and always be like in a rush to get from A to B. That's just a really hard one for me. I'm, I'm always doing things too fast. So I need to slow down and, and doing more yin yoga and more passive exercise, even though I still love to run and bike. I just actually signed up for a duathlon. So oh, wow. <laughs> it's in me. I can't yeah. help it. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm going to try and counter that with a lot of yoga and a lot of passive activity as well. Yeah. And something that Jesse and I did a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago is we moved outside of the busy city of Toronto to a smaller city, Windsor, which is four hours west. And that has really allowed us to have a lifestyle that's a lot less hectic and a lot less intense. And that's really been helpful. For, for healing because you just not you don't feel sucked into the energy of, of the city and the buses and the noise and the crowds like I, I'm just so ready and have been ready for just 
slow, quiet, more space. We have a dog who needs a backyard. Like, mm, yeah. this lifestyle shift has been huge. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really great. I think the lifestyle piece is something that people don't talk about enough. I mean, it's always, you know, eat this, don't eat this, take these supplements, which, I mean, are obviously extremely helpful, but there's also the piece of, you're putting so much stress and anxiety into your body what you know what's that doing (laughs) for you Mm -hmm. you know not very much so yeah that's incredible that's really great so can you talk a little bit more about the paleo and grain-free diet what that looks like and also um so I know in the natural health world there's a lot of talk about paleo um, versus keto diet and what that, you know, what each of them are and, and how they differ. Can you talk a little bit about that? For sure. And it's, it's really interesting because when I was vegetarian, whenever the word paleo came up, I cringed. Mm-hmm. I just looked at it as like another fad diet. I'm like, oh God, like another person on the paleo diet. <laughs> yeah. And that's just because I didn't understand it or open my mind to it. And lo and behold, now I'm eating a paleo diet. So it's, and, you know, again, I hate to use labels, but if I were to break down what I'm eating, what it gets classified as is, is paleo, which is taking out the beans and the grains, focusing on good quality animal protein, including things like eggs, nuts, seeds, a little bit of fruit, lots of veggies. And and that's the core of the paleo diet. So grain-free is, you know, someone can just go grain-free and still keep in the beans and keep in um, – you know, maybe some other foods that wouldn't quote unquote be paleo friendly, but just be grain free. And, and that can be really healing for a lot of people. And I'm not saying that I don't eat beans ever. I do once in a while. I'm just moderate. I just really watch how often I eat them because I do love a good hummus. (laughs) But, um, so that's the kind of difference. So grain free would just be eliminating the, the grains. Paleo is, you know, including those foods that I listed before. And then keto is, where the ratios of your macronutrients is really being dialed in and the focus is on fat versus protein. So a lot of people think of the paleo diet as a very heavy protein diet because it goes back to primal eating and cavemen and, and it can be, it really depends on how the person chooses to eat or what their body type is like. It doesn't really have to be high protein, but keto is high fat. So it's making fat the dominant source of energy, moderate protein and very low to no carb in some cases, depending on the person. So if someone's choosing to go on a keto diet for extreme healing, whether they're going through, you know, mental health issues or, you know, people have epilepsy or they're really just trying to target something metabolically, they can gain some extreme benefit for sure in the short term. As a long-term diet, it's not something that I believe personally is is healthy and healing long-term, especially for women, because we do need carbohydrates and we do need a certain number of them you can really mess up your hormones and your reproductive health and and other issues if if women go keto for too long so there's certain people to follow to help make sure that you get the right cycling in or the right foods in and we got to remember that a lot of vegetables and that we think are um that don't have any carbs in it still do have carbs in it you know things like zucchini and things like avocado like there is still trace amounts you still can get your carbs in but you also might need to include things like sweet potatoes and cassava and other roots to to sustain that but a lot of men seem to do really well on a keto diet where it's like really extreme and and just eating just tons of fat a little bit of protein and like no carbs so 
yeah, it's, it's something if someone wants to try it for a period of time, I have to be honest, it's something that Jesse and I do want to try just to experiment with and see how we do and how we feel. But I know for sure that it's not the way I want to live or the way I want to eat long term. I just mm-hmm. kind of want to know for from experience and say like, okay, yeah, I was able to get into ketosis. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's awesome. So um, if you could give some of our listeners some advice if, you know, they too are struggling with Hashimoto's or any kind of autoimmune disease, um, what are some pieces of advice you might give them? So first and foremost, if they don't know that they have Hashimoto's but they're experiencing certain symptoms, I would recommend going to get the right blood work. So that's making sure that you're looking for things on your blood levels that include free T3, free T4, TSH, and then both thyroid antibodies, TPO and TPA, thyroperoxidase, um, and thyro, oh my gosh, now I can't think of it, but just go for TPO, TBA, and then also your reverse T3. So make sure that you're getting those levels, and then you can determine if you have Hashimoto's. And then in general for thyroid health, I would definitely recommend going grain-free, eating more healthy fats, eating, you know, good quality greens and cooking them, not always eating raw because raw veggies and raw cruciferous veggies can be really hard on the thyroid gland. Really taking care of your lifestyle, sleep, exercise, and lots of water and hydrating and and just finding ways to, to slow down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's great. That's great advice. Well, thank you so much, Marnie, for joining me and for sharing all of this awesome information with us. If our guests uh, were looking to find you, where would they find you? Best place right now is on Instagram. That's where I'm super active, at Marnie Wassman. Also, my website, MarnieWassman.com, has everything, including how to get to my podcast and my blogs and everything else. So check those out. Stay connected. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much again. Thank you. This episode was sponsored by NHC, an online vitamin and supplement store that sells a wide variety of quality professional and retail brands. For the latest deals and discounts, visit NHC.com. Thanks again to Marnie for joining me today, and thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. To listen to more episodes, visit AliveAndWellPodcast.com or check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes. You've been listening to the Alive and Well Podcast. We'll see you next time.